De ster van de stad altijd dichtbij. RTV Maastricht.
listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. Uh, you're listening to the song Read Between the Lines by the amazing Eternal Aaliyah. Uh, yeah, classic song. It's actually from her last album, her self-titled album, released in 2001. And funny, fun, interesting enough, uh, in three weeks it'll actually be uh, the 20-year anniversary of her death, unfortunately, um, in, the plane, in the, plane cl- the plane crash in Jamaica. But yeah, um, we're here at Student Radio Maastricht. We're talking not about reading between the lines, but something somewhat similar, uh, the concept of dog whistles. Um, I'm here with Kwesi. Hola. Leon. Hey. And Sham. Yeah, hello. Yeah, yeah. So dog whistles, um, political dog whistles, you know, the kind of subliminal messaging that, you know, kind of flies under the radar. Well, or over the radar, I guess, if, in, if you're going st- to think about dog whistles, I guess. But um, yeah, what, what, what do you all know about this already? Oh, I have to say, when I was, when I was looking up this topic, the first thing, I, well, of course, I landed up on the, on the Wikipedia page. And I'm, uh, I, I had a brief understanding of it, but um, it, it was funny to see the Wikipedia page just put politics in bracket when I look at dog whistles. So in my mm-hmm. mind, that's like the whole of politics. I mean, well, Wikipedia isn't really a reliable source of information. But prior to this episode, I really didn't know nothing or much about dog whistling. The dog whistles. Okay. Well, I want to say, I don't think Wikipedia is a bad source of information. I think it's a great aggregate so- aggregate of sources, but don't <laughs> use it as your source. Um, well, you, Leon, what do you think about this topic? Or Well, my prior knowledge of the topic of dog whistles is mostly from like political TikTokers and stuff like that best way to get your uh, theory in place definitely <laughs> I mean but uh, this kind of stuff is discussed regularly when it pops, th- pops up in you know politics or celebrities posting shady stuff you know yeah. but I wouldn't call myself an expert on it either Oh yeah, I am. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert. I mean, you get you get a lot of a lot of your information from TikTok. I get a lot of my information from YouTube. So, I mean, but yeah. Um, but to go into the song, uh, to go well, to go into our next song, um, and to continue the topic, we need to dive in a bit more. Um, our next song is by Tune Yards. Um, it's the song from their newest album. Um, the newest album is called Sketchy. Yes, but the song is called Under Your Lip. Hope y'all enjoy. I'm just looking for something to make me mad Nothing personal, just sick of being sad I don't want to know your vision And I don't want to hear opinions I want to quiet, quiet, quiet Let me hear the Make 
Yes, this is Under Your Lip by Toon Yards from their recent album Sketchy. Um, you're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on 107.5 FM uh, RTV Maastricht. This is Zaki, host in tech for today. I don't think I said who I was before. Um, sorry to new listeners, you were just hearing some weird voice on the radio. But yeah, we're here talking about dog whistles, you know, another kind of weird noise that sometimes gets into people's minds. Um, but yeah, I just want to t- dive into like really specifically what the term is. And so it's a term that it's actually a very recent term. It was coined in 2008 by uh, William Sapphire in his political dictionary. And he describes it as the use of messages embedded in speeches that seem innocent to a general audience, but resonate with a specific public attuned to receive them. You know, shep herders have been have long known that dogs are able to hear high frequency sounds inaudible to sheep as well as to normal adult humans. And that's kind of the same way that dog whistles work. They speak to a very specific audience, but fly above everyone else's heads. Um, yeah. Do y'all, can y'all think of any specific ones yourselves or... You know, I also have, you know, a whole list I want to go dive into and kind of debunk a bit later. But, yeah, I want to talk about, I don't want to be the only one speaking here, at least. <laughs> uh, but I think, like, based on the definition that you give, I think it aligns perfectly with um, election campaigns within the Caribbean. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because it's, um, we call it, we call it Pekong. Okay. In the Caribbean, which is basically, or at least in Trinidad, which is basically when you throw jabs at the, oppos- the opposite party, but not di- like directly throwing jabs at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really good. Yeah, that's a, that's pretty much a good example of how that would be used. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, um, I remember a couple of years ago when we had election, one party's slogan was "We will rise." Huh. So, mm. for instance, um, and then in the their campaign, they would say, okay, we would rise from poverty, we would rise from this, and basically they're saying to the other party, when you're with them, you're going to be staying stagnant or sinking or whatever the case is. Yeah, hmm. that kind of really reminds me of like the <laughs> slogan that Trump had during his campaign, America First. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, to me, it, it resonates strongly with, um, with a lot of the things I hear about, like global warming or climate change, where it's linked specifically to ideas like overpopulation, Oh so, yeah, yeah, or or migration because that is clearly like um, yeah overpopulation. What do you mean by overpopulation? What is it over? <laughs> is there is 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 there an ideal uh, level of population? So I think these are um, typical terms. I also think uh, if you if you dig back in back back into history, say at the in the NSDAP campaign when they were using terms like cultural cultural enrichment, uh, so the, the NSDAP was the party that Hitler belonged to. Okay, uh, this was around late 30s um, so yeah I think it is quite uh, quite a broad term and widely used in, in politics yeah. yeah maybe like uh, more familiar examples or current examples of this uh, would be the terms related more to que- uh, queer struggles like uh, family values or gender uh, gender critical with family uh, family values meaning oh I'm homophobic and gender critical I'm transphobic Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, actually, it really does remind me of um, a very American example, but there's an example of the Southern strategy, which is when in the 60, the 64 election, um, in order to get, temp, get support um, from the South, which was largely Democratic at the time, the Republican Party started 
started um, reaching towards um, more racial to, towards the towards more racist attitudes that were prevalent in the South. Um, and actually, Lee Atwater, who was working in the Nixon campaign at the time, later had a later was later um, there was a recorded interview where he said, "Like you started, you started out in 1954 by saying N word, N word, N word. By 1968, you can't say N word. That hurts you." Backfires. So you say stuff like forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. You're getting so abstract now, you're talking about cutting taxes. And all these things you're talking about are totally economic things, and a byproduct of them is that blacks get hurt, get hurt more than whites. And subconsciously, maybe that is a part of it. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that... It, but I'm saying that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, what we are doing away with the racial problem one way or the, or the other. You follow me? Because obviously sitting around saying we want to cut this is a lot more abstract than even the busing thing and a lot more abstract than N-word, N-word. Mm. And yeah, so it's just all these ways of just kind of sneaking around. And it's really funny that he mentioned states' rights because the one time I actually heard this in like modern conversation and not like in reference to some people's attitude towards civil war was in 2015, right after the Obergefell v. Hodges decision, which legalized same-sex marriage in the United States. Um, I wasn't at this time. I was actually um, in an orchestra trip in Italy with, uh, yeah, with an orchestra. And uh, another colleague on the or- in the orchestra um, said something. Oh, yeah, it's just the federal government. Um, also, the federal government, you know, overpowering states' rights and things like this. And I'm just like, okay, but like, what's your end goal here? Because you know, states. <laughs> you're arguing. Ultimately, the topic is about same-sex marriage. So you're talking about the state's rights to deny people the right to marry the person who they love, which that's kind of where I think where I, where I think of where, where I think of with dog whistles. You have to take them where, take them to their ultimate you know destination. Where mm-hmm. is this, where does this argument lead? Yeah, mm-hmm. I also find it like it's it's sort of distractive politics. Like it distracts yeah. from the from the real problem. Um, a dist- um, what do you call it? Not a distraction. Creating a dis um, uh, a, cl- a smoke of um, cl- a clouded of smoke. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you mean. Like creating a cloud, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think, I definitely, I definitely agree with that because you know, particularly in relation to reference to a lot of transphobic arguments, you know, people often say things like "we're protecting women's spaces," where they really mm-hmm. want to mean like they actually want to exclude trans women from those spaces, which. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think it's a good thing to protect women's spaces. I think there is a right to a right for women to have, have spaces, but they have to be inclusive. And you know, sometimes when you say this, it can be confusing to someone who may not realize that people are saying this in reference to keeping trans women out of these spaces. So it really just muddies the waters around the discussion, which is just unfortunate. Oh yeah, I mean, sometimes when I hear about discussion about uh, gender of toilets, as in not what gender a toilet is rather than mm-hmm. which gender can use which toilet and i of course i yeah i'm, I'm from india so i th- think about recontextualize this argument in say an indian context and wonder like okay that's probably the least of the problems here right i mean mm-hmm. first of all it's amazing if you find a toilet and then of course there are 21 other problems that are probably way pressing than yeah. know, gender which gender uses a toilet <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean it's definitely used uh, with people in power in a, uh, in a distractive way, like the Polish government, whenever they're being questioned about their dealing of corona, bringing up homosexuality. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah. that sort of thing. And also I found it interesting that there is definitely also a dog whistle in the example that you gave earlier, uh, Zaki, with the racial problem, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, f- just uh, 
recontextualizing the reality behind it of the uh, conflict of oppressed people and uh, the oppressors and seeing it as the oppressed people the problem, right? Exactly. Yeah, the same rhetoric that Hitler used. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. So would you say that um, dog whist whistling yeah. is um, basically having a hidden agenda for a cause that, that's, um, that can be disparaging towards a certain group of people or to its opponents? And I, I, I don't think it is necessary. I think it. I think it can be hitting group, hitting messaging. But I think it more so. I think it really does is more particular than that. You know, there's. I mentioned YouTube. How I get a lot of my information from YouTube videos earlier. But there's one one example that um, YouTuber Philosophy Tube uses, where she is like, okay, so or someone keeps repeating something over and over again, you might get to realizing that they're not, they don't mean exactly what they're saying. They're probably doing something different. So, mm -hmm. like, if I keep saying, today's Wednesday, of course, today is Wednesday, but what if I say it on tomorrow, today's Wednesday, or every other day, today's Wednesday, and I, even times when it's not even today is Wednesday, necessary to mention the day is a week, today is Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you get to realize, okay, there's some, there's some weird idea about, okay, okay, why is this guy just saying today's Wednesday over and over again? And meanwhile, someone, but... I'm saying something different. I'm trying to signal to people who understand exactly what I mean by saying mm -hmm. today is Wednesday. And so when people are arguing me with my, with the weird theory of the days of the week, there's people in the back of the audience handing out pamphlets about the days of the week problem. Mm -hmm. And that's why part of the issue I think of Dale Coulson because it can really, it's a, it's a recruitment tool more than anything else. To yeah, me, definitely. Least. And also just communicating ideas that are no longer accepted in daylight. Exactly, yeah. exactly that. I think that's a really good, good. That's a really good segue to our next song, um, which is by um, the late great uh, hip hop artist Guru, featuring Shaka Khan. Um, it begins with a short interview about um, what he thinks about how rap artists should watch what they say, and that is actually the title of the song, "Watch What You Say." Um, yeah, Guru featuring Shaka, Shaka Khan. Hope y'all enjoy. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself as a role model? How do you feel about rappers being considered role models for the youth? It's like this. Being that I do this music from a fan's perspective and I follow other rappers, I believe that if there's people following my music and listening to me, then I'm responsible. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. You know, I'm human. But I know one thing. Some people better watch what they say. Coming with the realness. Lyrics of life. Some people need to watch what they say. Cause you don't really represent I'm 
vain and canny. Too much weak talk and not enough real hip-hop. A sense of purpose is filling me to display credibility and show responsibility. Willingly, I take on any Johnny Dangerous. Pull his file for he knows he cannot hang with this. The illest king, I smack the jokers. No hocus pocus, I reel them see when I kick vocals. I just heard it's a jazz it's a jazz musician meme but um yeah it's um what's oh I can't even remember what it's called it will come back yes okay wait wait say it again the lick the lick yes thank you yes I heard the lick um it was the end of uh um watch what you say by Guru featuring Chaka Khan he's a great hip hop artist um did a lot of uh, collaborations with jazz musicians and R and B musicians and released a great album a number of great albums called Jazz Matage. There's, there, there's like a few different volumes, but check them out. But we're still here talking about dog whistles, you know, subtle pol- political messaging. Um, yeah. I really want to use this section, you know, just to really discuss, like, talk about specific specific examples of dog whistles and kind of just, you know, debunk some of them. Um, and so for me, I think the number one dog whistle in my mind is that comes out lately is the idea of someone being a race realist. <laughs> What's a re- race realist? A race realist. It's someone who that's someone who who want, who who believes that there are, there are like literal biological differences between people of different races. Really? Yes. They call themselves race realists. They're what they are as racists. So white supremacy. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're a racist, like like they they call themselves race realists, so it sounds nicer and better, and so it can fly over the radar as dog whistles are meant to do. Yes, and also mm-hmm. to reframe the argument from uh, this like racism as a uh, feeling based to try to uh, change the narrative into realism, you know, with the hint of oh, this is just a critical thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, this, this kind of facts. Uh, look at look at my statistics that I've created. 
look at my misleading statistics. Anyone can create statistics. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I have a question, dude. So, um, because as I mentioned earlier on, I'm not really familiar with the dog, whisper, dog whistling. Um, and based on the conversation that we're having, I'm wondering, would you consider, especially like in the early 90s, early 2000s, um, music, like rap music especially, to be some type of dog whistling? Because I feel as though a lot of rap music have like a lot of political statements that are there, but also they don't really act out these things that they're singing about or rapping about. Mm, I wouldn't necessarily say it's dog whistling per se. Um, so... So like, okay. So with hip hop specific, with hip hop specifically, I wouldn't say that they describe themselves as dog whistling because a lot of the hip hop artists during that time were really kind of doing certain game, some gang, like they were kind of involved in gang stuff like that, particularly in like, like groups like um, NWA and stuff like that. So um, they were involved in that, and so they were rapping about these things, but they did get a lot of political messaging. But it was a lot of it was pretty overt, you know. I think of like "Fight the Power" had the line, "Elvis was a hero, hero to most, hero to most, but he didn't mean shit to me." You know, that's a that's a song talking about about Elvis. That, that's the line specifically talking about um, Elvis's racism. So I don't necessarily think of it as dog whistling. I think of dog whistling being as more so subtle. I think, and I think it kind of reached particularly black audiences more so because white people weren't really listening to hip hop at that time because it was demonized so much by the white media at the time. Okay. Yeah, I think it, it, it might be part of dog whistling if it was indeed then exploited by, say, one political party over another. Yeah. It's being explicitly... Uh, I mean, at, at some... some at, I, I think some... Um, at that time, there are some campaigns where, you know, some of the parties definitely used, um, like, rap music to influence a certain crowd of people to show that, okay, we're with you as well. Oh, yeah. That, 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 mm. Oh, yeah. In that, in that sense, then, yeah, like if political parties are losing rap music to kind of pander to certain groups, then I think that can be sort of an example of dog whistling. Yeah, but there's definitely a clear difference between uh, just uh, like, I don't know, this uh, subtle hints to your friends, for example, of, or like just political messaging overall and the sinister dog whistling that we're talking about. They're two completely different phenomena, at least in my eyes. Yeah. That mm -hmm. This kind of... Uh, normal political messaging in rap music it's quite clear what they're talking about you know black struggles uh this kind of police brutality all of this stuff it's uh, clear what they're drawing behind but dog whistling it's so clouded over what the real meaning is like we were talking about earlier that you yeah. really cannot tell it unless you have the knowledge right yeah or be belong to the insider group yeah actually yeah you're right actually you know the term uh, weapons of mass destruction? Mm -hmm. yes. Like I find that fascinating because I was imagining this thing that's going to destroy mass and change into light or something. It's changing, it's like going against laws of physics. But really, wouldn't that be a classic example of dog whistling? Where uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Excuse? We had an exam um, in the first semester for methods and they gave an answer of weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> oh, and yeah. a lot of students were very confused as to what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very specific. Um, I think it, another good example, I think, is you know when people mention that certain protests were funded by George Soros. That is an anti-Semitic canon. That they're, that they're, they're, they mean they're mentioning George Soros specifically because he is a Jewish person who has a lot of money. So they're th thinking mm -hmm. of like, oh, these global elites who mm -hmm. are controlling everything behind the scenes. Um, that's an that's a really good example of a dog whistle in that in that sense, and also any kind of mention of global elites. Well, it depends because people can mention globalism in a very specific way when they're talking about how you know certain how certain things economically have 
had a detrimental effect, but there's a difference between doing that, between talking about things in very specific ways and using it to signal to certain people that you are anti-Semitic. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think this is a good way to go to another song, to our, to our next song. Um, it was by one of my favorite musicians who's not on Spotify, unfortunately, um, but I understand why. Uh, it's the song What We Have Known by Joanna Newsom. Um, I, I'm going to let y'all know, her, know, know right now her voice is very polarizing, um, so be forewarned. So, but I hope y'all enjoy the song. Anyways, What We Have Known by Joanna Newsom.
hope you all enjoyed that song. Um, that was What We Have Known by Joanna Newsom, one of my favorite musicians. Um, I hope you all didn't mind her voice. Um, I know it's very polarizing, but once you get used to it, it's very nice. Um, but yeah, that was, but yeah, we're still here on SRM on RTB Maastricht 107.5 FM, and we are still talking about dog whistles. This is Zaki, host in tech for today, here with Shyam. Yada, hello. Leon. Hello. And Quasi. Hola. Hey. So I really want to, at this point, I want to talk about like really why it is so big of an issue, particularly nowadays. Um, and one thing that I find about, find that, that's, that bothers me about it more than anything else is the fact that really, as I mentioned before, muddy is the discourse. We have no idea what we are talking about nowadays because no one, there's all these different, all these different terms and people might say this, say something and mean one thing and they have some kind of hidden agenda that we are not aware of. Yeah, definitely. And also the with the age of the fake news and literally the most powerful person in the world uh, being able to de- deny facts essentially to everyone and has to have people believe them is what to me at least makes it even more insidious. Have you ha, ha, have you heard of this the saying don't let facts get in the way of a good story? This, this is unfortunately something I heard uh, from, well, from a journalist once. Well actually I think that well I think that I I I, I get I get what they're saying though because you know I think that one thing that one issue with modern discourse is, is the fact that we have we have gone so hard on logos forgotten about ethos and pathos thrown the thrown pathos away and the thing is we as humans we 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 need a story to put things in context and the way we do story and stories a story has to be you know you have to get you have to get feelings you know you have to have the ghost to get the good story you have to have the feelings you have to get the emotion and that's the thing that people remember and what people will eventually be moved by so I do get the get that. So I do completely. <laughs> so I do, on one hand, agree with that with that sentiment of you know not letting facts get in, in the way of a good story. I think you have to pair the two though together. I, though I don't know. I think that could be it could be a slippery slope, right? I mean, it's like when politicians renamed global warming to climate change. Uh, sure, global warming was not apparently comprehensible to many people. I don't know which bit global or warming. I think these are both pretty pretty banal terms yeah i think uh, but i think i think they had to change it because people were like oh but now it's getting like really really cold winter now here huh this doesn't seem like it's getting warmer which is why i think climate change i i, yeah, I, I understand mm-hmm. but instead term. of uh, sorry it's a better term but yeah I do understand ah. this kind of now changing from climate change to climate crisis or uh, this always new terms being come up. I don't know. I think it's dangerous because when they when they use use words like climate crisis or climate emergency, w- would that mean a government will be given the rights to act an emergency law, for example, without having to go through the regular procedure? Not that that necessarily means a lot. But, hmm. but yeah, that that to me is something. Um, well, that would require you know, go- yeah. governments to actually uh, first go through the or admit that there is a big enough problem for it. Right now, all Western countries basically are in the phase of denial or that oh, the markets will give us the solutions. So mm-hmm. going from the current situation to actually abusing martial law is kind of a long jump. <laughs> Preach. Yeah, wait, wait, no, I, agree with you, I agree with what you're saying. But yeah, um, yeah, but I don't know. I think, th- I think one the thing, th- but yeah, Back to the topic of discussion, um, we're talking about dog whistles and everything. But I think one of the other issues is because it's just ultimately a bad faith argument. And 
we love to have the idea of a marketplace of ideas um, and that, you know, everything should be discussed, but that also is dependent on people arguing in good faith. And when you bring bad faith arguments into the mix, then it becomes really a lot, a lot more difficult to actually, you know, keep people who are marginalized or at risk safe. Well, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that 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 would be nice. But unfortunately, the way I see it is that when people say we are saying this with good intentions, I always feel that yeah, who are those good intentions intended for? Right? Like it's very often directed itself. True, true, true. I agree with so. it there. <laughs> Definitely, it's a bit bit tricky. It's also when when um, I feel that when you introduce terms like climate change or global warming, you try to introduce like a subjective term that people can relate to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by introducing a subjective term, you're making it more more vague. You're making it open to to interpretation rather than it being a a rather simple task of measuring well a global average temperature. And of course, to the to those who say it's it's I'm feeling cold here locally. Yeah, okay, that's that's just local warming or local cooling. It's got mm-hmm. nothing to do with, uh, with with global warming. Um, but yeah, indeed, instead of uh, hammering on about uh, about the facts, it's indeed turning out into a, um, like you said earlier, like right, that we, we are losing track of what we are talking about because we are only discussing opinions at one point then. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly that. Well, that's a good way to go to our next song. We are, it seems like we're, yeah, this, we're getting a little bit blue on this, but we need to have an outburst. And so it's time to have a song. Well, not really a song. The song is actually titled, This Is Not A Song, It's An Outburst, or The Establishment Blues. Um, It is by the band Rodriguez. And yeah, I hope you all enjoy it. The mayor hides the crime rates. Councilwoman hesitates. Public gets irate. But forgets the boat dates Well a man complaining Predicted sun it's raining Everyone's protesting Boyfriend keeps suggesting You're not like all of the rest Garbage ain't collected Women ain't protected Politicians using People they're abusing The mafia's getting bigger Like pollution in the river And you tell me that this is where it's at Woke out this morning with an ache in my head I splashed on my clothes as I spilled out of bed I opened the window to listen to the news But all I heard was the establishment's blues Gun sales are soaring Housewives find life boring Divorce the only answer Smoking causes cancer This system's gonna fall soon to an angry young tune And that's a concrete co-fact The Pope dicks population Freedom from taxation Teeny bops are uptight Drinking at a stoplight Miniskirt is flirting I can't stop so I'm hurting Spencer sells her hopeless chest Adultery plays the kitchen Bigot cops than fiction The little man gets shafted Sons and money's drafted Living by a timepiece, new or in the Far East. Can you pass a Rorschach test? It's a hassle, it's an educated guess. Well, frankly, I couldn't care less. 
Yes, that was uh, This Is Not A Song, It's An Outburst, or The Establishment Blues by Rodriguez. Um, you're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. I am Zaki, your host in tech for today, joined by Sham. Hello. Leon. Hola. And Gwesi. Hoi hoi. We're talking about dog whistles, and yeah, we're now reaching actually the end of our show. So yeah, um, just not to like, just yeah, end the discussion, clear up any loose ends, and yeah, final thoughts. Yeah, we discussed earlier both like dog whistles as the more sinister forms, and then a bit about the terminology related to climate change and how that's evolved. And just to clear up any confusion, climate change terminology is not dog whistles, right? Uh, there is a very clear uh, political messaging behind the uh, words evolution, and it's not undercover or hidden from the public like dog whistles are. And just trying to clear this up so no, none of our listeners are left confused by that. Um, cool, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's more about the... Um uh, the actions taken in the name of climate change that could be could fall under uh, left-wing dog whistling. That was uh, where I was going towards. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I think, I mean, as I mentioned before, dog whistles can go kind of on either end of the spectrum. I mean, you know, we've mentioned value, family values versus reproductive rights. Reproductive rights is a positive framing of the issue around abortion, and so I think. It can't. They can kind of go both, going both ways, and I guess you. I guess you. I. I. I maybe. I. I may be guilty of using some Russell count Russell conjugations in reference to these things. Um, but yeah, I. There. 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 There are. They are not just. There's not only one party who was guilty of dog whistling. It's just something. It's a tactic that has been used. So, I think it's something to be just be to be. It's, it's good to be aware of of it so that you can think okay i hear the slogan hmm what is the what is the meaning behind this how does it work what are people actually saying and then you can make good political decisions based on that yeah one of the things i don't know if this would uh fall under dog whistling but it's it to me it's uh, going more towards narratives so when i hear a statement that the other day I saw on the TV somewhere, it said seven women are killed per day in South Africa. And I was like, wow, how many people are killed per day in South Africa? I mean, so so imagine that statement being said as seven people are killed every day in South Africa or something like um, in South Africa, so many people are killed every day. So in each of those statements, the, the subject changes, right? You go from women to people to country. Um, and to me, narratives also play play an important role in in, in how um, yeah, dog whistling is perceived. Yeah, I mean, I think dog whistles are kind of just build are just a way of building a specific narrative. Mm. That yeah, I was yeah gonna uh, say that I think it um, you know as I said, I think it creates a narrative that you want to push for people to believe what or to agree with your um, agenda, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Well. I think that's a good way to end the show. You know, we've cleared up this thoughts around dog whistling. So now it's time to go on to our cultural agenda. Um, there is not very much happening in Maastricht, but there are the Borlnota open air concerts. Um, They're happening um, on multiple dates. There, you can find them on their website, kulturamose.nl slash Borlnota. Um, they, they're at the Hellport. Um, the next one is actually tonight with... Uh, 
Globe Menon and Friends uh, classical music, um, but there's also multiple multiple styles of music, including classical, jazz, Mediterranean, uh, pop. Enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Go to the website to find all find everything that's happening and. Yeah, enjoy the music, and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, RTV, for allowing us to use your studio. Um, and yeah, our last song is Oblivion by Grimes. Uh, hold on, it somehow disappeared from the Spotify queue, but I will add it back on. Um, yes, I'm just going to yeah just keep talking until the song begins. <laughs> um, so yes, okay, finally, yes, Oblivion by Grimes. Thank you, RTV, for letting us use your space and letting us, yeah, broadcast. Oh, I have a shout out to do to our new listener, Nan. Okay. She is uh, one of my friends, and she likes our radio program. So hey, Nan. Oh, thank you so much for listening in and enjoy our music, Oblivion by Grimes.
Set the night on fire. 